Welcome to the Variety Hour on AM 990, where local leaders talk Memphis. Listen to you, move your mouth. I bet you come from way down south. Now don't tell me, let me guess. You from the town that I love best. Talk Memphis, I wish you would. Talk Memphis, you sound so good. Talk Memphis, high on the bluff. I swear I can't get enough. Listening to you talk that stuff. Talk Memphis, oh yeah. Talk Memphis. Welcome to Talk Money on AM 990. And now here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. And welcome to Talk Money. I am Jim Shoemaker, and we have a program that you do not want to miss. I have a Joe Bentley that's going to be with us in a few minutes. He is the Vice President Portfolio Manager of Advantis Capital, and he's going to talk about three weeks with President Trump and how the market seems to be working. And then followed by that is, of course, our very favorite guest, and that's Mac Bailey. He is going to be talking about probate, tons of questions. But before we get into the program, I have on the phone with me Dr. Chuck Wood. Chuck, welcome to the program, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Uh Looks like it's uh, been up all all day, but I think it's just eight o'clock. <laughs> it's just eight. You almost have been up all day, though. Now, what I have, Chuck, is Chuck is located by out there right now at Bellevue Baptist Church. Chuck, I've got a little bit of a, can, you know, got some noise coming in on your cell phone, but you're out there at Bellevue Baptist Church with an army of volunteers because they are you're doing Mission of Mercy today. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. All right. Tell tell me what's going on right now. You've got a ton of folks out there. How many in line? We uh, we we had about uh, twelve hundred in line, and we've uh, kind of stopped the line until noon, and we'll reevaluate then. Seems probably already taken care of three hundred patients. Wow. Uh, Probably. I hope to do over a million, maybe a million and a half of dentistry this week. You know, that's what I want everybody to know. This is Mission of Mercy. It's located out at Bellevue Baptist Church on I-40 where the crosses are. And if uh, I know, you, Chuck, you're right in the middle of it with everybody. An army of volunteers. Can you tell me basically what's going on? How many volunteers do you have out there? you got dentists, hygienists, and uh, just a local group. What's going on there? Dentists, hygienists, nurses, doctors, uh just uh, regular folks that are uh, that are helping us uh, entertain patients, and uh, uh, just we couldn't do it without the volunteers. Well, you know, I know it's a huge setup and a lot of people. It is free dentistry. It is the mission of mercy. And uh, I just want to tell you, Chuck, uh, you know, thanks so much for heading that up and being a great part of it. And, uh, you know, if you're looking for a place that you want to go and help and you want to go be a part of you need free dentistry, it's out at Bellevue on Appling Road. It's the mission of mercy. And we're talking with Dr. Chuck Wood. Chuck, is there anything that you'd like to say to the people listening? I mean, what is it that really happens with this? This ministry. Well, what's uh, what's great about this is, is we're treating uh, people from Memphis and the Mid South that uh, kind of fall through the cracks, don't have dental insurance, uh, not on Medicaid. Uh, it's, it's just a blessing to them. Uh, we're getting folks out of pain. We're getting teeth out that are bad that they may wind up in the emergency room spending seven eight hundred dollars just to get a prescription and still have it taken care of the problem. We're uh, we're uh, giving folks their smiles back, uh, which makes gives them an opportunity to get a better job. Uh, so it's it's, it's really uh, really helps folks out with life and touching them, 
physically, and uh, we're doing a little spiritual work also. There you go. There's lots of spiritual work. Thank you, Chuck. I appreciate your time this morning. Are you listening to Talk Money? We've been talking with Chuck Wood, Dr. Chuck Wood. They're out at the Mission of Mercy. Chuck, thank you so much, sir. I'll see you in a little while, man. Okay. We're going to put you to work. All right. Thank you. You're listening to Talk Money on KWAM 990. We'll be right back after this. Jim Shoemaker and Scott Jordan are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securing Financial Services Incorporated. Securities dealer, member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Advantage Capital Management and Securing Financial Services Incorporated are affiliates. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. Are you aging? Well, I am. This is Mac Bailey from the Bailey Law Firm. As we age, our concerns and needs change. An updated estate plan will give you peace of mind regarding your family and your future. Your will is about your wishes and not always about your wealth. What are your wishes? Please call us at 901-843-2760 or visit us at thebaileylawfirm.com. Again, this is Mac Bailey from the Bailey Law Firm telling you that today is the youngest you will ever be. Let us help you with your estate planning, elder law, and probate needs. It's what we do. Podcasts for Talk Money are available for iOS mobile devices in the iTunes Store. Just search Shoemaker Financial. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. And welcome back. Talk Money brought to you in part by the Bailey Law Firm, estate planning, elder law, and probate planning for all generations. You know, Scott, uh, you know, you and I do this quite often. You do a, you have really become a, a good guest host. I gotta get say that, man. You do a great job. But you brought some data that I'm really interested in. It's Valentine's Day coming up next week. Absolutely, and I know you like me are well prepared. Well, I'm in very advanced. well prepared. Uh, I mean, but, hey guys, listen up. This is important. You know, one one figure that I found uh, as doing some research on this: average annual Valentine's Day spending is over thirteen point two nine. Billion. billion dollars with a B. Billion. <laughs> Amazing. How much of that are you contributing? Uh, uh, well, uh, a lot. It <laughs> says here the average average amount spent per person is one hundred forty seven dollars. So I'm, I'm definitely doing you, my part in that category. Are you up to that point there? For definitely that doing my part in that category. One hundred and eighty million people, or you know, one hundred eighty million cards. One hundred eighty million car. One hundred ninety eight million roses sent every year. <laughs> Seventy-three percent of those were sent by men. By men. Oh, that's good. Well, so yeah. actually, you know, there's actually some of these people that at the, I know that some ladies actually say, you know what, if you're not sending me, I'm going to send me. Fourteen percent of women send themselves roses on right. Valentine's Day. Now, here's one, Jim. Pay attention to this. Cause we <laughs> talked about this earlier. All right. Fifty-three percent of women surveyed said that they would end their relationship if they did not receive something <laughs> oh, on Valentine's Day. Hey, I'm in so, trouble, you know. I mean, I'm, 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 I mean, I'm not going to be in town Valentine's Day. I, and, and my wife's actually going to be out of town for Valentine's Day this year, so the thought crossed my mind. Does that give me a pass? But no, sir. I, I looked at that, and, and that's my answer. No, all, all joke, joking there. But. Yeah, that's absolutely well. Don't forget, guys, it is Valentine's Day next week, and uh, I was looking yesterday just driving down Highway 64 and noticed that 
restaurant after restaurant. People are already celebrating. It has to be because they oh, were yes. jam packed. Yes. Uh, so, I don't know if you ever try to go out to eat on the. Oh, actual I have day. tried one time. Wow, one time, that's, and I said nope, that's, never again. That's usually all it takes. That's all it takes. <laughs> yep, one time. All right. Well, we have a just a great program. Joe Bentley is with us. He is the vice president, portfolio manager of Advantage Capital, and he is going to help us understand economics as far as the first three weeks under President Trump. Welcome to the show, Joe. Well, good morning. I am so glad to have you on the program, sir. I always look forward to this because you bring such a wealth of knowledge. And, uh, you know, Mr. Trump is really doing some, uh, his mindset is to shake things up. So let me ask you this. How does that, you know, what do you see things he's doing that's a, that could be very positive for us? Well, I think it's a uh, a time where we have a lot of enthusiasm in the market here. Uh, after the elections, people got uh, really fired up. But now we're kind of stepping into some of the realities of, you know what, we've got tax reform, we've got in- infrastructure spending, we have uh, deregulation. We we just don't flip the light switch and get this all in place. You know, uh, politics doesn't, uh, doesn't work that easy. And so what we're kind of setting up is a little bit of, hey, we're excited. We're excited about the markets once again. But then, well, you know, we're, we're also introducing a little bit of uncertainty about the path that we're taking. And, you know, markets never like uncertainty. Well, you know, the market was up yesterday just on him saying that he is going to do something about tax reform, tax cut, deregulation, and the market responded, and futures are up today. But do you see sentiment? Sentiment? Sentiment. Sentiment is up. I mean, I got a tongue tied this morning. Sentiment is up. Do you think, I mean, how do you feel that there seems to be this consumer confidence that's that's kind of moving in the in a positive direction? Oh, sentiment is is really kind of the factor I like to watch because it's uh, it, it's contagious. It really uh, uh, stirs up those uh, animal instincts uh, in the market. So, uh, but you know, you know, when you look at business set, uh, sentiment is uh, uh, is improving. Uh, all the indicators are suggesting so. But I like to watch particularly small business uh, sentiment uh, indicators because you know those were. That's where we're really going to grow a lot of jobs, if mm. that works. Mm. But when you look at the impacts of, of deregulation, that really helps the small businessmen out there. Uh, consumers, you know, they're, they're you know, also very uh, interested in the markets and, and excited uh, once again. But what I'm, uh, uh, you know, a little bit nervous is on both uh, sides, business and consumer, is, you know, are they spending money? Is this kind of... An enthusiasm talk, or are they actually spending money? I watch CapEx for the uh, uh, CapEx spending for the business side. I watch uh, uh, retail spending, auto sales, and other things on, on the retail side. And you know, and thus far, it's a lot of talk, not a lot of action uh, as, uh, uh, to this point. But we anticipate that, and it's, I think it's very positive uh, uh, to where we see the markets going in the future. Do you feel like that confidence begins to move and that where people begin to take action after that confidence level's there? And by the way, for our listeners, CapEx, explain that so that we everybody's on the same playing field. Oh, uh, the capital spending, uh, you know, uh, investments in uh, property, plant, equipment uh, by by companies. Yeah. And so I think that's important. To, so again, I guess, Joe, do you feel that because people are, there is an optimism 
that their their actions will follow that optimism. It's kind of like you know belief. If they believe something, behavior follows that. How do you is that where you're seeing it? Well, I I think it uh, is uh, you know probably the biggest impact ends up being on employment. And you know if you're confident about your business and your prospects out there, you're going to hire. Mm. You know it's going to make uh, the consumer feel better because they're you know. You know that that worker is much more in uh, higher demand uh, out there. You know, you saw that in the in the payroll uh, report last week. That's true. Uh, that uh, you know some very solid non-farm payroll increases last week. Uh, you know, uh, but you know, uh, uh, one of the things we we are watching in here is is uh, inflation, and we expect to see a decent amount of wage pressure. Uh, that should uh, help the consumer going forward. Do you think, well, let me say this, I guess, if you just tuned in, I want everybody to know, you're listening to Talk Money. This is Joe Bentley. Joe Bentley is the Vice President and Portfolio Manager of Advantage Capital, frequent guest of ours, and gives us a tremendous amount of insight into the economy and what's going on and his thought process. And, and, and when you're doing it from, Joe, from your chair, when you're looking at it, you're looking at a lot of different moving parts. But for the consumer and for the investor, what you're talking about are the fundamentals, things like employment, things about like consumer uh, confidence, business confidence, the sentiment there that you're talking about. What are, You said inflation. Now, these are, this is kind of, is that a negative? I mean, it's inflation, Fed fund rates, the, the dollar going up, is strengthening. Is all of this uh, got some negative impact? Is that what you would be saying from that perspective? Well, you know, I, I think uh, when our wages are going up, uh, people feel pretty good about that. Uh, however, uh, what we need to see is the strength of the economy keeping up with inflation. Uh, you know, if inflation is going up and we don't have the, the growth to back it up, it can be uh, punitive. You know, when we see our cost of goods sold, uh, you know, uh, going up, we see, uh, you know, average, you know, uh, uh, consumer in the United States see that their expenses are going up. Uh, that's uh, uh, you know, I think it's an indicator of the strength of the, of the economy there. But if my wages aren't going up to offset that, then it, then it's punitive. Yeah, that's what I think a lot of people. I had I actually read something today, this morning about, or yesterday I think it was about. There's this movement, or the headline said, "Worried investors put trust in gold. Investors are snapping up gold." And there was a couple of reasons. And, and some of the reasons, you know, they thought, well, maybe the economic policy was un, there's an uncertainty there uh, because of Trump, the, the the anxiety in Europe and Brexit and France and all those things. Uh, do you do you see that? Is that uh, from your chair? Are you seeing people this mindset? Because I see people still concerned about 2008, but I don't think that's driving them to gold. And I'm not sure I would recommend gold. That's not what we're trying to do here. But the reality is. There's, that's the headline. The headline was almost was a nervous-type headline. Yeah, well, you know, uh, to me, gold is the currency of uncertainty. And, you know, when you look at gold since uh, mid-December, it's up uh, over 10%. And I think it's you know, things that you had mentioned there, just this political, economic, uh, you know, policy uncertainty uh, that, are, you know, that we're facing here. I think when we... Uh, see things that make us nervous about global trade. Uh, you know, the you know it's it's easy to uh, uh, to say, hey, I, I need something that's going to give me certainty, some some uh, confidence uh, going forward. 
and, and people tend to go for gold there. Mm. I think it's also, you know, when, uh, uh, when we're dealing in an environment where interest rates are so low, and, you know, in fact, if you look at it as, in a real standpoint, you know, if you subtract uh, uh, inflation uh, from there, our, our real interest rates are actually, you know, uh, probably uh, zero or negative or very low or negative. And in those types of environments, it's very easy to go into gold uh, because there's no uh, uh, offset. Uh, there's, since there's no uh, current return on gold, uh, uh, you know, you look at what's your alternative. Your alternatives is fixed income market. Fixed income market is, uh, is, uh, is on a real basis is not uh, giving you a lot. So it's easy to, to step into uh, gold in times of uncertainty. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, too. If you just tuned in, Joe Bentley, Vice President, Portfolio Manager at Vantus Capital. He is talking about first three weeks of Mr. Trump. We've talked about the the sentiment is up, and we've talked about inflation possibilities. Fed fund rates, is she going to raise the rate the next couple of months? And what are you thinking there? Oh, I think that uh, uh, it's... Uh, you know the, the the Fed likes to say that you know we're going to follow what what's coming down in the economy. So you know, are we uh, continuing to grow jobs? Are we continuing to see uh, the levels in, of inflation uh, where we like that would support that? I think that uh, you know in the next month or t- uh, or next couple meetings, uh, the Fed is going to be very diligent in that decision. Uh, may not happen uh, here in March, but uh, it likely will happen on the next one. Well, the Fed really is is trying to stay ahead of of where the economy is going, and we're, with the expectation of growth, uh, they want to be active in moving up the Fed funds rate. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense when you say stay ahead. What about real estate, commercial real estate? We have not seen in the in this country an enormous you know, since 2008, growth in in commercial real estate. I'm talking about new buildings. Is that beginning to tighten up? And are we seeing that from a standpoint that demand is is actually still high? And is that going to create? Is that going to move that value up? Well, you know, I think uh, you know people continue to be attracted to commercial real estate, and uh, uh, it, and it's really uh, it's a factor of the income that can be produced by commercial real estate. Right. Uh, operating fundamentals are, are still growing, uh, maybe slowing a little bit uh, because of some of this new supply that you had talked about, but it's growing. And, you know, occupancies are, are relatively stale. Rents are going up. Uh, and what we're seeing here is, uh, is that investors, when they look at their alternatives in the market, you know, either in the fixed income or the stock markets, they see real estate as you know, good, solid current return, uh, and that income is growing. Uh, the valuations of, of uh, commercial real estate continue to go up. It's a, uh, it's a great place to be. Uh, but, uh, you know, we are really uh, keeping our eye on new construction. Uh, you see that a lot in, in apartments. Uh, you see that a lot in uh, self-storage facilities that are coming up, especially some of these newer, bigger facilities that are coming on. And, and so we are, we're concerned. Uh, we're concerned with where uh, the, uh, you know, the, the uh, new, uh, new construction is going because that does uh, induce supply. Supply, uh, if, it's not, if demand isn't keeping up with that supply, it's going to uh, impact 
rental rate. Yeah, we see that a lot, too. So, all right, in the closing thoughts here, equity outlook. I mean, that's where everybody wants to be. We've talked about gold. We've talked about people moving there, The somewhat of the fear. You've talked about employment looking pretty good. We've talked about Fed fund rates, inflation, good sentiment. I mean, bottom line is there's a lot of things good, and there's a lot of things that, you know, headwinds. So tell me this. What's your equity market outlook? Well, I think uh, we're going to be working through uh, uh, times of uncertainty, and we have a lot of things that should lead us to growth in this economy, should be good for the stock markets. However, we have certain things that are might limit that growth as we go forward. We need to see uh, some policy uh, be enacted uh, in D.C., uh, but you know what I'm really looking for is, you know, can earnings... Uh, outpace inflationary pressures. Uh, I think that you know some of your best opportunities might be you know in value opportunities with growth. You know this you, know, you hear this you know GARP or growth at a reasonable price. I think that's going to be there. But uh, I'm going to steal this uh, this one from a, a friend uh, that uh, calls it a bunny market. And, you know, and that's not a bull or, or a bear market. It's going to be a bunny market. We're going to hop around a lot. I like uh, that. But we may not go that far. That's a good point. That's a great way of looking at it. I got a great visual, a great image of that. Not going a long way, so some volatility. and uh, But there's a lot of, lot of strong opportunity there. But there are some headwinds. Well, if you just tuned in, Joe Bentley, Vice President of Advantage Capital. He's a portfolio manager. And, you know, Joe, every time you're here with us, you give us that insight. It, it's not about being on the, you know, trying to pick something that says that's the winner. It's about having a plan. It's about understanding that there's always going to be good things going on, always things you have to look at. You help us understand that. You help us see that. Three weeks of Mr. Trump and Joe has done a good job of explaining this to us. Thank you, sir. Have a great day and a great weekend. I appreciate you so much. Uh, thanks very much. All right. Uh, be good. Yes, sir. All right. If you just tuned in, I'm Jim Shoemaker. You're listening to Talk Money. My guest host today is Scott Jordan. We come back. We're going to have Mac Bailey, and we're going to dive into a, co- a subject that is, I mean, everybody wants to know, what do you do when you have to deal with probate? Well, that's exactly what Mac Bailey is going to help us walk through all the specifics about probate. Stay with us. We'll be right back after this. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time. It is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results, research, investment advice, or a recommendation to purchase or sell a security. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. Financial advisors do not provide specific tax and or legal advice, and this information should not be considered as such. You should always consult your tax and or legal advisor regarding your own specific tax and or legal situation. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. Well, I've been talking with Joe Bentley. We've been kind of going through some things going about the market, and the reality is the market's up today. It was up yesterday. So it is a it is a mindset that you just have to have a plan. And, Scott, that's what we try to tell everybody. Absolutely. You cannot get caught up in whatever's going on in the headlines. You set up a plan, and you're working through it. Speaking of planning, have you planned for Valentine's Day? You sir? know I have planned for Valentine's Day, Jim. <laughs> yeah. I'm a planner. That's what I do. Well, you've got some statistics that you brought to the program. 
program. Scott Jordan, of course, is my guest host today and advisor at uh, the office at uh, Shoemaker and does a great job. And uh, so, all right, I got a question for you. Average amount of money spent on jewelry. Average total amount of money spent on $4.5 billion. Billion. During Valentine's Day. And that's now, uh, per person or per piece? No, per, that, that's total spend. Now, per person average is $166. <laughs> I think Mac even commented on that. We're at the wrong jewelry store because <laughs> I've never gotten off that easily. I don't know about you. Exactly. And speaking of Mac Bailey, Mac Bailey is the guest in the second half of the program. And he is, of course, the major lawyer, senior lawyer, the lawyer at the Bailey Law Firm, and not only the lawyer, but a frequent guest of ours, and of course, one of our co-sponsors, and we thank you so much. Mac, welcome to the program, sir. Good morning. Glad to be here. Are you all prepared for Valentine's? Since my wife is listening, absolutely. (laughs) You know, we're all sitting here realizing, hey, Valentine's, okay, Gil, are you prepared? Uh, Yeah, sure, you got to be prepared, too. And reality is, guys, here's a thought for you. Percent of Valentine's Day cards bought by women is 85 percent, 85 percent, 73 percent by men. That's uh, that's uh, you know, that's guys. I I have to admit, I have not bought my Valentine card yet. Mac, have you bought yours? Yes, She's sir. listening. She's, yes, sir. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. All right. Let's get into some serious stuff. Probate. Probate is a topic that whether we like it or not, most of us do have to deal with that, whether it's a loved one or somebody's dealing it with us. You know, I guess, Mac, what I would like to start with is help me understand what is probate? Well, probate is a court process. So when you go to probate, you have a judge involved and a lawyer involved. Probate in Latin means to prove. So when someone dies, if they have a will, we're proving that the will is valid. If they don't have a will, we're proving who their heirs are in court. Do you have to have a lawyer? Can I not go by myself and and say, in this case, my mom's passed away and I've got her will? Can I do that? Can I represent myself? It's a common question. The answer is no, because technically you're a fiduciary, and that's a person in a position of trust. And so not only are you representing the beneficiaries of the estate, but also you have potential creditors, including the state of Tennessee and the U.S. government. So you have to have a lawyer in probate. All right, let's, let's clear that, because that is, I know, that is so many people think, well, I'll just go down to probate and take care of it myself or my dad or my mom or, you know, somebody will do it for me. But the answer is no. They have to have a law. Explain the fiduciary thought there again, because that's critical. Yeah, a fiduciary means that you're a person of trust, and so you're actually representing more than one person's interest. And so you're supposed to have no conflicts of interest, so you're supposed to be representing them and not yourself. And that's the problem if you're going down as the executor of mom's estate you're probably looking more after yourself than the creditors in the state of Tennessee and the U.S. government. All right. You used the word there, executor. And I had people that say, well, I think I'm the executor. And I say, do you understand what that means? How about explaining that to our listening audience? An executor is a person that basically takes over the administration of an estate upon the death of the decedent, the person that's deceased that has the will. So they're not working prior to death. That's correct. Common misconception. Some people think, well, because I'm the power of attorney for mom, I'm also her executor. Those two things are not the same. Power of attorney is during a lifetime. Executor is at death. And the executor has a duty, like I said, not only to the beneficiaries, but also to the creditors of the estate. And so many times people think, well, I'm named in the will. That automatically makes me the executor. But you actually have to be appointed by the court to serve as executor. 
Okay. Now, see, this is what people don't get. I, I think this is where we struggle. So I'm the executor from my mom's will. All right. And uh, I have a will, and it says, Jim Shoemaker, I'm the guy, okay? Yes. But I really am not functioning until the court says I'm the executor. That's correct, because you actually have to qualify as the executor. So they're going to look at your criminal background, they're going to look at your finances, and they're going to determine, are you the best person that's the best suited to be the executor? All right, but though, here's the problem, Mac, and you know this. I don't, my mom only has $100,000, so I'm just not going to tell anybody. What, <laughs> what, what's wrong with that? Well, at some point, you're going to try to get access to mom's $100,000, and right. the bank's going to say no because you don't have the appropriate paperwork from the court. Wow. Now, you know, this is an issue, Scott, that I I know of people. I, the reason why this, is, this has been – I asked Mac if he would do this because we've had probably more questions. And, again, remind anybody, talk money at shoemakerfinancial.com. That's all you have to do. Go to talk money at shoemakerfinancial.com if you've got a question – but that has been our number one question for the last couple of weeks, uh, months, actually. And it came about for because somebody thought they had settled the estate five years ago, and they had not. This was a small estate. They didn't go through the proper channels, and all of a sudden they were trying to do something, and somebody says, wait a second, it's not settled. What's that problem? Yeah, in Tennessee, a small estate is considered an estate less than $50,000. And if the estate is less than $50,000, then that person can go to the probate court himself or herself and appear and open a small estate affidavit. But if the estate is in excess of 50000 you have to go through full probate, and you have to have an executor appointed, and you have to have a lawyer. So there is a break for that, but it is $50,000, and that's a small amount in the day with insurance policies and, and, and things, you know, just natural things that people do have. Yeah, it doesn't take too long to add up to fifty thousand no, dollars. No, so that's good, and that's house and you know anything like that. If I own a house and just my house, not not jointly, then you know that's part of my estate, right? Yes, but the fifty thousand dollars is primarily personal property, both tangible personal property, which is stuff, that's a legal term, yeah, and then also money in is the that bank, Greek? cash. Is that yeah, it's Greek, it's Greek, <laughs> yeah, or Latin, <laughs> Latin, yeah, okay, stuff. I like that, but that's reality, though. People need to understand that. And and Mac, how do they find out? How do they know? I mean, I know they. I mean, I would call you. That's the point. But but let's say they don't know how to talk to you. How to? They don't know the questions to ask. Here's that problem. Stay with me because I want to take a break. But that's an issue. So many of it's like a maze and a fear. And therefore, they don't know what to do, and sometimes they just freeze and do nothing. If you just tuned in, I'm talking to Mac Bailey. We're talking about probate, and we're going to try to answer your questions. So here it is. Stay with us, because when we come back, we're going to make sure we know the difference between probate versus non-probate assets. Those are different. So stay with us. We'll be back after this. Shoemaker Financial and Securing Financial Services are not affiliated with Mac Bailey or the Bailey Law Firm. Financial advisors do not provide specific tax and or legal advice. Shoemaker Financial and Securing Financial Services do not provide tax and or legal advice. Shoemaker Financial and Securing Financial Services do not provide tax or legal advice. Individuals should always consult their tax and or legal professionals regarding their own specific situation. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. 
After Britain's defeat in the Revolutionary War, both Spain and the U.S. claimed much of the land east of the Mississippi River and maintained a network of frontier military bases along the Mississippi Bluff. Among the commanders of these bases were such figures as the famed explorers Meriwether Lewis and Zebulon Pike and the 12th President of the United States, Zachary Taylor. What is now downtown Memphis was a Spanish military outpost under the command of Manuel Gayoso. Until the American army took over the site two years later, Gayoso's soldiers manned a fort and surrounding buildings where the pyramid stands today. Although the forts were later abandoned as the frontier moved further to the west, the legacies of the men who commanded them made a lasting imprint on our cultural heritage, including the names of our streets and landmarks. Those who walk Gayoso Avenue today trace the footsteps of some of our nation's most revered icons. This has been another Mid-South History Moment, brought to you by Shoemaker Financial. Talk Money, as you know, is brought to you in part by the Bailey Law Firm. Estate planning, elder law, and probate planning for all generations. And I want to thank them. They're one of our key players in what we do and the fact that they're able to help you move through a lot of those questions that you have when it comes to setting down and planning for retirement or working through your estate. It's all about elder law. The Mac Bailey Law Firm, Mac Bailey and his team, spends a lot of time with you, answers a lot of questions, and we're proud to have them as one of our sponsors. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Just search Shoemaker Financial. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. Well, we're talking about uh, probate versus non-probate assets and what assets actually pass through probate. Our guest, Mac Bailey of the Bailey Law Firm, specializing in estate planning, asset protection, charitable gifts, business succession, elder law, and probate. So, Mac, really, what is the difference? I mean, probate versus non-probate. Probate assets are assets that actually pass through your last will and testament. Non-probate assets pass outside your will. A good example of a non-probate asset is a life insurance policy because it has a beneficiary designation. So if you say, I want Joe to have my life insurance, and you put that in your will, but in your life insurance policy, you designate Jane, Jane's going to receive the benefit. She's going to be the beneficiary. Joe is not. So even though your will says, give it to my kids, and you leave it to your ex-wife, which you forgot to change... (laughs) Happens. Ex-wife, is that ex-wife going to get it? Ex-wife's going to get it. little silence. Well, just, <laughs> I've actually experienced a real-life case where that happened. Where that happened. So, yep, and absolutely. It, now, what's the recourse? I mean, you, the guy absolutely did not intend for his ex-wife of 10 years ago, 15 years ago, to get his life insurance policy. Well, well, sometimes that's addressed. I'm not a divorce lawyer, but sometimes it's addressed in the property settlement agreement. So if it was addressed in the property settlement agreement where it said, I was going to change my beneficiary and remove it from my wife, we may have an argument to repair that problem. Okay, but you got to, that's, see, but now listen, folks, this is what we're talking about. A lot of stuff, moving parts, it's if you've got these situations, be sure you take the time to review. Here's one I'm thinking about. Somebody's got a policy at work. Now, they may change the beneficiary on the policy they bought because maybe their insurance person is saying, hey, you got to change, but they forgot to change the policy at work because they never thought about that. That's what we got to be thinking about. So you said if it's a named beneficiary, it's non-probate, and if it's not and the will's directing it, it's got to go through probate. That's correct. And other examples would be a retirement account. It's going to have a beneficiary designation on it. 
or a joint bank account or brokerage account that has a right of survivorship, that's a non-probate asset. So it's very, very important to coordinate probate assets and non-probate assets when you're doing your estate and financial planning. Okay, now let me ask you this. We went back to our small estate where you could go and represent yourself under 50000 Is that under 50000 of probatable assets? You could have $250,000 of, of non-probatable assets and only 50000 Would that is that what you're saying? That's correct. $50,000 of probatable assets. Okay, that's that's critical for people to understand. So there's some planning that goes on here to make sure if you're trying to avoid probate, get somebody like you to help them show them how to go through that process to know what how to how to actually direct it. That's right. There's two basic disadvantages of probate that we try to plan for. One is the cost of probate. Costs can be anywhere from 3 to 5% of the value of your estate. And then the time delay of probate, which can be anywhere from 4 months to 12 to 18 months. And during that time period, your loved ones may not have full access to their inheritance. Well, now let me, is there, is there a point in time where reality that people have to have their estate settled? I mean, is it, you got to have it done in such and such a time? No, I've had estates that'll last for four and five years, but the longer the estate lasts, the happier the lawyer is. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about that, Scott? I like that. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fact, isn't it? But the reality is, if you haven't done the proper work, then you're going to create the proper problems. Now, what about somebody contesting the will? Um, yeah, there's several grounds to contest a last will and testament. One is undue influence, which means someone told the testator, the person that died, kind of influence them to change their mind and leave it to someone they wouldn't have left it to otherwise. Then the second is incapacity. They may not had the mental capacity at that time to understand what they were doing. And then the third is, did they even properly execute the will? I've had clients that I would send the will to them and then they would sign it. Then they would go to the local grocery store and get their um, you know, their favorite grocery person to sign it. Then they go to the service station and get their favorite service station person to sign it. And unfortunately, that will is not valid because everybody had to be in the same room at the same when time. they signed it. Yeah. Okay. Holographic wills. Person's going to take up, you know, the holographic will is a person who's written their will out. You know, I just, this is my last will and testament. They go through all the process. Is that probatable today? Yes, it's, uh, it's valid in the state of Tennessee. It's wholly in someone's handwriting. Can't be typed, can't be printed and then signed, has to be all in their handwriting. Doesn't need to be witnessed, doesn't need a notary, no notary, no witnesses are required, but it does have to be all in the handwriting of the person who's writing out the will. What's your thoughts about that? I've known some people that have said, well, I have a holographic will, that's okay. You know, Scott, we've seen that. And, yeah. you know, and then the idea, what's your thoughts? Well, I, I don't operate on myself. Um, I don't self-diagnose <laughs> myself, and so I think there are some things that are better left to the professionals. You know, that I mean, I, I, I don't want to tell anybody, if you don't have a will, a holographic will is at least an attempt to do what you're trying to do. And I love you, I love you, so therefore I give you this, and it would cover anything that doesn't have a beneficiary designation or proper ownership. It's the stuff that would have got the stuff that's that Latin word again, that goes back into probate. At least it says, this is what I wanted to happen, but it, it doesn't mean that you've covered all the bases. No, and you can make a, uh, the common mistake we see with holographic wills is let's say someone has two children and they say, I give everything to my two children equally. They say that first. And the second thing they say is, but I give my house to my son <laughs> right. who's been helping me out for the past four years. Well, she's already given away the house. 
So you can't give it away twice. Twice, Yeah, that's a big problem. If you just tuned in, you're listening to Talk Money. I'm Jim Shoemaker, along with Scott Jordan. Our guest today, Mac Bailey, and we're talking about the issues around probate. And when we come back, one of the biggest problems, one of the biggest concerns that so many people get caught up, they try to avoid it, and I can understand it. I think we all should look at that. But really, what about the reasons behind that? Are you doing it because you fear the cost? Are you doing it because you fear of spending time with Mac Bailey? Sometimes you got to get all that. Pro- well, that may be one of the biggest reasons right there. But the reality <laughs> is, why are you not proceeding? Because we want to talk about the cost of probate. That's our next statement when we come back. Stay with us. You're listening to Talk Money. I'm Jim Shoemaker, and we'll be right back after this. Investments will fluctuate, and when redeemed, may be worth more or less than when originally invested. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. If you have questions you'd like to have answered on the program, email them to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. And now, back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. And welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. You're listening to Talk Money. We're our guest today. I have my guest host, is Scott uh, Jordan. Uh, from the Shoemaker Financial Planning Firm. He is a CFP, a frequent guest of ours. And, of course, our special guest, Mac Bailey, the Bailey Law Firm is specializing in estate planning, asset protection, charitable gifts, business succession, elder law, and today he is specializing in probate because that's the question. And, Mac, one of the biggest issues I think so many people have is I fear the cost of probate. And I, I think it's a little bit, I mean, you have all kinds of numbers that, that are, get tossed out on some programs, and some people read and think about it. But what, what are we looking at at cost? Well, there's both a financial cost and an emotional cost. No question. The financial cost basically can range from 3 to 5% of the value of your estate. That includes attorney's fees, court filing fees, inventory cost, appraisals, accountings, bond premiums. So there's a lot of potential cost involved with probate. Mm. Is that, you say 3 to 5% of the probatable estate? That's correct. And usually with some minimum. I mean, your minimum probate cost is going to be in the three to $5,000 range for a small estate. Mm. So they need to, people need to prepare for that. That You know, when, when somebody dies, there's cost immediately that comes into place. You're talking about funeral costs. We're, uh, we're planning to do a program about that, doing a little research on mm. that. And one of the things that I think so many times I see is people sometimes are taken advantage of maybe they're not there that's an emotional time but when do if if i'm preparing now for funeral cost and i've got to say let's say it's fifteen thousand twenty thousand dollars which is it's amazing how expensive it is when do i need to get the 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 document the legal grind that's going to take place when do i need to start that is that the day after the funeral or or can i can i wait a month but Probate normally, you know, there's no real time period for probate. There's a one-year statute of limitations. It's kind of most people need to open the estate within one year. But there's no exact re, uh, time period. And we've probated estates from the 1930s one time uh, for a music royalty case. So it can go all the way back. However, the longer you wait, the more likely you're not going to have, find the document, the more likely you're going to have assets that are dissipated or wasted so normally within 30 days is a good time frame to open the probate estate. I can't find my document. Does a copy work? Copy does not work. I tell every one of my clients that this is the original. This is the document. A copy will not work. 
Now, you can prove a copy, but you're up against a presumption that it was lost or that the testator, the person that died, tore it up and threw it away or destroyed it. So in order to prove a copy, it's very, very difficult. It's yeah. like it's a lawsuit against all the heirs and beneficiaries to prove the will. All right. Now, I, here I am. Uh, I've got to settle the estate. I've got to have the original. And somebody told me to put it in the lockbox. I can't get to the lockbox. They won't let me get it because i got to have a will. Sometimes we have to get a court order to access the safe deposit box at the bank in order to get the original document. That cost me too, didn't it? It does, yes, sir. You know, people have got a lot of stuff going on here. I mean, Scott, what are you thinking? Uh, you know, I, I think that, that planning is the key there, having having a plan to deal with all that. And knowing where everything uh, is. You know, I mean, absolutely, I, I, absolutely. I make sure and that you can put your hands on everything. Where, where the documents are located and where all the property is located. That that reminds me, Mac. What about we we see this a lot? Clients that have properties in multiple states. What special, unique circumstance or problems does that create? Well, each state, each of the fifty states, has total control over their real property or their real estate. So they have control over their land. So if someone owns a house here in Memphis and a condo in Destin, we're going to have to probate their estate in Memphis and probate their estate in Destin, Florida. Which is additional cost. Absolutely. So when you say probated, does that mean you have got to go to Destin to do that, or do you have to, can you do it here? I mean, what's the what's the logistics of that? Although it sounds like a lot of fun. I'm not licensed in Florida, so I would end up having to hire, hire a Florida, Florida lawyer. Lawyer, okay. And so normally you have to have a lawyer licensed in that state in order to probate the state there to transfer the real property located there. All right. Now we're talking about multiple states. We're talking about multiple properties. We got all kinds of issues. And 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 you're talking about probate versus non-probate. We've covered that. Um, the contesting of a will. You've kind of helped me with that. But let me let me talk about that from a standpoint of siblings. Um, two siblings are just giants. They're great, and you got the prodigal. Um, how did mom decided they would leave the prodigal a dollar? Okay, you know she was very disappointed in him, and he wasn't doing a good job. I mean, going. I'm not talking about myself, guys. I just want to let you know. Okay, I'm not talking about myself, but but the reality is, you know what I'm talking about. They're just the, the thought process, and that was a mindset. Is that an issue? Well, there's no right by a child to inherit from a parent. There's absolute right for a spouse to receive some inheritance from a deceased spouse, but a child has no right to inherit. And so as long as mom knew exactly what she doing, she had capacity when she signed that will, and as long as mom was not unduly influenced by one of the other two kids who told her to cut the third prodigal son out, uh, then the will is valid and prodigal son gets nothing. Gets nothing. All right. Now we don't have a will, and we got the same scenario. Two giants of kids, Drew and Great, and the prodigal, and mom doesn't have a will, and dad's still alive. What happens? So if mom passes away and she's married and she's got kids— most people think, well, dad will get everything, but that's not true. It's a common misconception. Actually, the estate then would be divided amongst dad and the three children. Equally? No, there's a, well, the, the spouse at least gets a child's part, but they can elect again and get a little bit more than that, up to 40%. But what, what normally happens, we see this a lot with minor kids, to where mom and dad are married, and have a minor children, and mom dies, and assets go to father, but also goes to the minor kids, end up having the minor guardianships. Very expensive. Wow, you know, and then minor guardianship is, uh, if you don't have that position where you've elected that in your will, 
then that's got to go to court, and you got to decide who's going to who's going to appoint the, the is the judge going to appoint the guardian? Judge is going to appoint the guardian. Is that can that be a contested? Can that be three or four people down there arguing with the judge? Yes, Johnny may be a little bad boy, but when he's worth a million bucks, everybody loves. Him. <laughs> <laughs> that is so true. Well, if you just tuned in, you've been listening, of course, to. Talk Money. I'm Jim Shoemaker, along with Scott Jordan today. And our guest, Joe Bentley, at the beginning of the program. Great program by him, but boy, did we talk about some things. You know, Mac, great thoughts from you. I appreciate you very much today. Thank you. You know, it's been fun. I hope you've enjoyed every minute of it, because we have. And again, I appreciate all the people that make this thing happen. you got a producer and board operator, Gilworth. Does a wonderful job. Guest and content coordination, Francis Fordner. Production assistant, Eleanor Moscovich. Mid-South History Moment is read by Rebecca Brazier and written by Drew Johnson. We're here every week and we enjoy it and hope you do too, helping you make the most of your money. Jim Shoemaker and Scott Jordan are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securing Financial Services Incorporated. Securities dealer member FINRA SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Advantage Capital Management and Securing Financial Services Incorporated are affiliates.